Live from London, this is The Afternoon Show with Jane Manzoni. Hello and thank you for listening in to Teachers Talk Radio this afternoon. I am Jane Manzoni and it is a cold but lovely autumnal day here in London. I'm hoping for a few, few less technical hitches this week and guests who managed to actually call in. So please stay tuned for the awesome lineup I have planned. Today's show is a children's poetry special. Live from London, this is The Afternoon Show with Jane Manzoni on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello again. I can see um, Charlotte's there already. If you try and call in now, I can have a go at accepting you, but I'm also looking at another screen, so I might miss it. Okay, a brief rundown of my week. I haven't done this for a while. Um, I'm still loving life in reception. We're on phase three of phonics right now, which means the children know all the initial sounds for single letters. Well, they know a fair few of them. We review them every day. And we're on digraphs, which is two letters for one sound. This week's digraph was mm, like on the end of strong or ping pong. They know quite a few digraphs now, actually, because you do a few in phase two. They know double l, not l, anyone listening, trying to support a reception child learning to read. The same as it's not p, it's p, like you're blowing out a candle. Uh, so my kids know double s, double f and qu for quack. And next week's digraph is a tricky one. It's TH, which can be pronounced two ways. Oh, you've got a poem for me. Thanks, Charlotte. It can be pronounced two ways. The soft th, like in thin, and the hard one, like in the. It's, um, so I'm, I'm hoping they're going to they're gonna be able to pick that up quite quickly. So that was phonics. This week in my imaginative tough tray, there was a fairy wonderland. I'm a bit obsessed with glitter and fairies. Uh, we had fairies, dwarves, gemstones in a tray full of multicolored glitter. There was a large jade stone that I nicked from the science cupboard. No one was using it. Um, and the dwarves were mining there. There was also like a fairy house in the corner. This was a very popular tray with boys and girls. In fact, my imaginative tough tray is always very popular. It doesn't really matter what I put in it. I'm changing it next week to a pirate ship with a treasure chest full of gold coins in a sea of blue sand. The children have already spied the treasure chest in the cupboard and they're overexcited about it, I can tell you. Play-Doh this week in Play-Doh news, uh, we had light blue with the peppermint smell and silver glitter. So I give my children choice over the colour, smell and the glitter every week. We make it together, of course. It's all learning, weighing out the ingredients, watching it change, smelling the essences, predicting what's going to happen, watching it cook. I have to tell them the floor's lava in the kitchen. They can't come close to the, to the cooker. Then they knead it while it's still quite warm and gooey. They love that. Um, the new karaoke machine has been in constant use. You may have seen on my timeline. I bought a karaoke machine from Robert Dias. Oh, that was a plug. Shouldn't have said that anyway. Uh, it was a goodbye, but I, I've had to be listening to Baby Shark and the wheels on the bus all week. It's super for language, though, so well worth it. Uh, lastly, in the life of Miss Manzoni's reception classroom, 
Uh, I'm going to give a shout out for a brilliant new book. It's called Rocket Says Look Up. Well, it's new to me. It's by Nathan Bryan and illustrated by Dapper Adiola. Lovely pictures as well. It's a, a gorgeous story about a little girl called Rocket who loves the stars. Her big brother Jamal is always looking down at his phone. You can understand why it's called Look Up now. And in the end, they catch a meteor shower together and have hot chocolates. Very heartwarming. It's also got references to Mae Jemison in it. The children loved it. So that's my EYFS book recommendation of the week. I'm not sure I'm going to be doing one every week, but, you know, there you go. Right. As Guy Fawkes and Halloween are over, I'm going to start a Christmas cocktail countdown. Sorry, I know it's still November, but I've been remarkably organised this year and bought nearly all my presents. So I'm already feeling Christmassy. Plus, my classroom's already full of fairy lights. My cocktail of the week is called the Christmas Godfather Cocktail. I guess that appealed to my Italian roots. It's also got whiskey in it which is the base of my absolute favourite cocktail, an old-fashioned. So to make this godfather cocktail, you need whiskey, obviously. Amaretto, another of my favourite liqueurs, almond base. Double cream. And the Christmassy bit is ground nutmeg. Sounds nice, doesn't it? You put your ice in the cocktail shaker with the whiskey, amaretto and the cream. Shake it up, pour it out and lastly sprinkle over your nutmeg. Easy. And sounds delicious. I'm definitely going to be making those in December. Right. I have three super guests for you this afternoon. My first is going to be Matt or it might be Charlotte. I don't know. It depends who, who rings in first. Could be Charlotte. Um, Matt is Twitter handle is early train. If you want to follow him, he's an award winning, po award winning poet and a former primary school teacher from Manchester. He is the ambassador for National Poetry Day, which was on the 1st of October, if you missed that. Matt has several poetry collections out, including, okay, I think I've got you, Charlotte, um, including Caterpillar Cake, Chicken on the Roof, and his latest one, Bright Bursts of Colour, which was shortlisted for the 2021 Clipper Award. I did post a video of Matt reading out one of his poems, which I thought was brilliant. Hopefully he will give us another rendition of one of his poems in just a while. Um, as this is a poetry special, you lucky people are going to hear me read out my all-time favourite children's poem ever. It's Alan Allberg's Dog in the Playground. Okay, right, I've got to get onto another page here, so I hope I don't lose everybody. Dog in the Playground. Dog in the Playground. Oh, no, he don't. He'll come with me. You see if he won't. The word gets around. The crowd gets bigger. His name's Bob. It ain't its trigger. They call him Archie. They call him Frank. Lives by the fish shop. Lives up the bank. Who told you that? Pipe down. Shut up. I know that dog since he was a pup. Dog in the playground. We'll catch him, miss. Leave it to us. Just watch this. Dog in the playground. What a to-do. 35 children, caretaker too, chasing the dog, chasing each other. I know that dog. He's our dog's brother. We've cornered him now. He can't get away. I told you we'd catch him, Robert. And hey, don't open that door. Oh, Glenis, you fool. Look, miss, what's happened? Dog in the school. Dog in the classroom, dog in the hall, dog in the toilets. He's playing a call. 46 children, caretaker two, headmaster, three teachers, hullabaloo. Lost him, can't find him. He's vanished and then, look, miss, he's back in the playground again. Shouting and shoving, I'll give you what for. 65 children head for the door. Dog in the playground, smile on his face. Tail in the air, winning the race. Dog in his element, off for a jog. Out of the gates, wish I was a dog. Dog in the playground, couldn't he run? Dog in the playground, gone. Okay, now, <laughs> I, 
I think I enjoy that poem so much because it rings really true. Certainly of my early years in teaching when I was a supply and systemization and like homogenizing of schools hadn't really got to grip. The parameters were looser within schools. Uh, there are increasingly less moments of utter chaos in educational settings. And I think it's a sad thing. You might argue that's a good thing, but I think it's a sad thing. I think we are wise to remember that chaos is always a, po a possibility. It lurks around the corners of everything we do. Embracing moments of chaos and the possibility of chaos is important for me. Now, I'm going to pop on the adverts and ask Matt to call in, but I know I've got Charlotte there, so we can chat with Charlotte first. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Okay, now I don't know if that is Matt. Is that Matt? Uh, yeah, can you hear me? Oh, you know, your username is Z-B-E-Y-Y-F-G-H or something, so I had no clue and there was no picture. Charlotte says Charlotte. So I'm a good yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know why, because I don't even, I don't even know what this is. <laughs> the podcast thing. So I don't know what those random assortment of letters. But I am here. I'm, yeah, I'm live. <laughs> okay. Um. So because Charlotte's also a speaker, I might bring her into our interview as well because it's only polite. Okay. So my first question to you was: Have you got me a cocktail that you've devised, poetic or otherwise? Or you could just tell me your favourite cocktail if you want. I, I'd be honest, I'm not I'm not that down with cocktails, but if I'm going to have a cocktail, it's got to be uh, like a margarita or a caipirinha, something a bit sharp. Oh, you like a tequila, do you? A strong yeah, yeah, cocktail. Yeah, it's, okay. uh, yeah there's, no, there's no point otherwise, is there? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, you're right, actually. I do prefer a stronger cocktail. Yeah, you've got a good point. Okay, so we can move straight on to poetry then. And my first question about poetry was... Have you got one to read aloud? Now, I did say you could do two because you are a poet. You could do one of yours. I've heard you read a few poems online and they're great. So you could do one of yours first or you could do like I did my favourite poem. Uh, okay, well, well, I'm not very good at favourites. So, so my favourite okay. poems change all the time. So I'll give, you, I'll give you a poem which is always up there, um, which is by a poet called Mandy Cow, if that's all right. Yeah, sure. Uh, okay, this is a poem called Sense in Mother. It's from uh, Mandy's collection, which was called If You Could See Laughter, which is a brilliant collection. Um, so, so, yeah, Sense in Mother, it goes like this. Dad keeps mum's favourite dress deep in the bottom of the ottoman. Sometimes when he's at work, I stand listening to the tick of the clock, then go upstairs. And propping up the squeaky wooden lid, I dig through layers of rough winter blankets, feeling for that touch of silk, the blue whisper of it, cool against my cheek. Other times, the school test times and dad gets home too late to say goodnight times, I wrap the arms of the dress around me, breathing in a smell faint as dried flowers. I remember how she twirled around like a swirl of sky. When I'm old enough, I'll wear it. Pulling up the white zip, I'll laugh and spin, calling out to my daughter, how do I look? It's a brilliant oh, poem, yeah. That's lovely. Yeah, I've never heard it before. Very poignant. Who's the poet? 
Uh, uh, Mandy, 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 Mandy Jones. Oh, sorry. I'm going to have to mute somebody. Don't know who that was. So carry on. Uh, yeah, it's a poet called Mandy Cow. She's brilliant. Okay. And did you have want to read one of your own as well? Yeah, yeah, I can do. Yeah, I'll read you a poem from um, a collection of mine called Bright Bursts of Colour. I'm going to read you a poem called Better at Yours. Oh, and it goes you. like this. We can't go to my house. Dad's still in bed. Black eyes and beer cans pound in his head. I swear if you saw him, you'd think he was dead. I like it better at yours. Another time, maybe, the place is a mess. Mum's at my auntie's dealing with stress. We need peace and quiet to revise for this test. I like it better at yours. I like how it smells and the biscuits you've got. There's bread in the cupboards and tea in the pot. Carpets are clean and the radiator's hot. I like it better at yours. That's lovely. Is that's is that based on personal experience, or is that just like your imaginings? How hard it would be for children in your class? Yeah, it's a bit of everything, really. Oh, okay, All right. It's a, it's a little bit probing. <laughs> okay, let's. No, move no, no. On it's fine. To... It's fine. But that, that's a good thing with poetry, isn't it? You can tell the truth. You can make stuff up, and you can do everything in between. Yeah, they're they're both quite sad poems, aren't they? Do you prefer sadder poems? Do you think? Well, not sad, but like really meaningful. I go for comedy often in my poetry. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I think the, the the cool thing for me about poetry is that it's a it's a reflection of life, isn't it? And so, yeah. um, you know, when I was a primary school teacher, there was kids in my class that um, that had sadness with them, and you, and you can't ignore that. You know, there's nothing wrong with funny poems. There's nothing wrong with sad poems, and uh, I think you've got to try to reflect everybody's life. Yeah, you do. I agree with you, and I don't often choose to read out those sorts of poems, but. Both of those are beautiful. So if I go back to Key Stage 2 at any point, I, I think I'll extend my poetry repertoire with the shorter poems because I do a lot of long narrative poems with Upper Key Stage 2 um, and not so many of the short poems. When I do short poems, I generally do funny ones, but that's uh, made me think, so that's great. Okay, let's move on to adult poems briefly because I did say I've, I'm very interested in um, what we read in our own time as well as teachers. So uh, something must have drawn you to be a poet. I, I imagine it was maybe adult poetry. Just guessing. Put uh, words in your mouth. It might be no, something no, no, it, it, no, no. It was it, it was music really. Oh, was um, it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was I was supposed to be a rock star before I became a teacher. I was in I was in bands and uh, from about thirteen I played the guitar and wrote so uh, wrote songs and um, I only sort of put the guitar down when I realised I was rubbish at it in my in my sort of mid twenties. And um, so, yeah, uh, music and uh, lyrics came first. And um, when I became a teacher, you know, it's like a couple of years into being a teacher, I kind of surfaced from the, 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 the sort of mad workload and started writing poems and songs with the kids in my classes. And I remembered I was supposed to be a writer. Yeah, you just got that memory again. Okay, <laughs> but you're, you've gone and you've done your, your first dream now. So, and I guess being a teacher has given you something to write about as well, something extra to write about, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. Um, so I write about three things. I write about my life, lives that I've seen, and stuff that I make up. Um, and so, yeah, <laughs> being a teacher, there's, there's, there's lots of the kids in my classes that are, are in, my, um, in my collections, yeah. That's great. Okay, did you have an adult poem you wanted to talk about? Or we can skip that question and go on to the Clipper event if you want. Oh, it's fine. I'll read you a quick adult poem. There's, oh, um, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a really short one by Bertolt Brecht, um, which is in... <laughs> okay, um, something else uh, light. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, it's from um, Sarah Crossan's new anthology uh, called Tomorrow is Beautiful. It's only four lines long. It's called When the Times Darken. Okay. In the dark times, will there be singing? There will be singing of the dark times. 
That's it. You have to think about that one a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't got my thinking brain on when I'm on the radio show. I always think after the show, I'm so much more articulate in real life. Well, I say that to myself, but you can't when you're doing something like this, you can't think as clearly. Um, I'm, I will re-listen to it and decide what I think that's about. Okay, let's move on to the the Clipper event, which looked amazing. Do you want to tell me a bit about it? I know Charlotte will expand as well. In fact, I'm going to put Charlotte. Charlotte, you can put yourself off from you, or do I have to put you off? Yeah, from no, you? I can do that. Okay, why don't you talk about it together? I don't know who this other speaker here is. Is this Hyder? Yeah. Oh, hi. Oh, okay, we're all here together. Great. Why don't we all three talk about it? Because you were all involved together, weren't you? Yeah, do you want me to start off? Yes, go on. Yeah, well, the, the, the Clipper, um, we at CLP, if you don't know us, I'm the Learning and Programme Director at the Centre for Literacy and Primary Education. And we hold the great honour of being uh, the National Poetry Centre for Primary Schools. And as part of that, we host a yearly poetry award, the Clipper, uh, in which we look at all of the poetry that's been published in the previous year. We select a shortlist and winners and we award a prize every year to uh, the winner of that poetry award. It, it's really special because it's the only award for published children's poetry uh, in the UK. And Matt was shortlisted this year um, with his amazing collection, Bright Bursts of Colour. Jane, if you do ever go back into Key Stage 2, it's definitely one. Um, oh, yeah, I'm I've got it on order already. Sorry, I was on mute then. I was talking when it went. <laughs> and I, right. I thought you might have been. Um, but we also run with it a school shadowing scheme, which um, involves children in performing poetry from the published collection at one of the published collections and Hyder, her two, there were two children from her uh, class who won the shadowing scheme and performed on stage alongside Matt, uh, the winner, Michael Rosen, and the other shortlisters, Manjeet Mann, Nikita Gill and Jane Newbury uh, at the awards ceremony at the Cheltenham Festival in front of a live audience in October. That must have been a wonderful experience for them. Do you want to tell us a bit about it, Hyder? What did the kids say afterwards? And um, Yeah, so... Um... As we were rehearsing for the competition, um, I've never seen motivated pupils like it. So um, they rehearsed at break times, they rehearsed at home, they met up outside of school in the park because it was COVID times um, back then. Um, and the two, the two children that won were just over the moon. They, could, they, couldn't, they couldn't really um, describe the way they felt when they found out they'd won the shadowing scheme. And obviously we'd won last year. So it was like, I think it was February we got told um, that we'd won, but we couldn't attend. I think Charlotte, is it normally in July? You have that in July, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, we, so uh, it was a long, long wait to perform, um, but they kept on top of performing the poetry. Um, they read the whole book, Poems the Wind Blew In. Um, they've written to the author, the poet. Um, and when one of the boys who initially won the competition, when he couldn't come for family reasons, we had a, we had an audition basically for um, who could perform at the Cheltenham Clipper, um, and all thirty of the class uh, wanted to perform. Wow! I know it was amazing. The long line outside, um, but yeah, it was just yes. an experience they will never ever forget. Um, and it's been it's been nearly a month and a half now since they performed and every time they see me because I'm no longer their teacher but every time they see me their eyes just widen and they they, they want to talk about it with me um, oh. and with our head teacher who came with us Sonia Thompson so I just yeah it's just an experience that I, I'll, I'll make every available to every pupil because it's something that's just it was just so wonderful to be involved with. 
Yeah, it sounds absolutely lovely and wonderful. It will it will stay with them for life. Um, does Matt want to tell us from his perspective what it was like? Because you were there as well, weren't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, it, it was all right, yeah. You stand on a stage and read poems out is what, what, generally, what generally I do. The, 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 clip, the clip was fine. I've done the Cheltenham Festival a few times, so it, it's a great place to go. The best bit for me was the um, we went and did some poems. When they unveiled the shortlist, we went to the Globe. And um, so we, we performed at the Globe, and that's that's a pretty cool place to stand on stage out of the Globe. And it was, it was like, ridiculously hot. Um, but it, it was lovely, yeah. It was really, really nice. That's somewhere I really want to take a class, the Globe. You mean the Round Globe in London, don't you? Shakespeare's Theatre. I, not, I mean not the another Round one. Globe in... I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. It's like, like a room above a pub in Manchester called the Globe. Um, no, no, it, it hit... Yeah, There's plenty it, it, of pubs it, called the Globe. Oh, yeah, plenty of pubs. Yeah, I was in the wrong place. Um, no, no, it was, it was good. It was, it's a, it was a beautiful place to, uh, um, to, to perform at. So that was really nice, yeah. Yeah, it, sound, it sounds really great. And how do teachers get involved in that, Charlotte? So if anybody's listening and thinks, oh, I really want to offer that to my kids, would they just go to the CLP web website? Um, yeah, absolutely. This year's shadowing scheme, we've done it in the reverse order, obviously, because of uh, lockdown again. But um, this year's shadowing scheme has uh, opened on the day that the award was announced. Um, and you can get involved by going to the CLP website, going to the poetry section, and there's a whole page about the clipper. Uh, and you just sign up a really short Google Google form uh, to get access to all of the materials. There's lesson plans to show you how to teach all of the uh, shortlisted collections right down to the early years where we've got the beautiful big green crocodile, Jane Newbury's collection uh, into key stage two where you've got Matt's bright bursts of colour um, and Michael Rosen's on the move. And if you're a secondary teacher, you can get involved as well because we've got Nikita Gill's slam. Uh, you're going to want to hear this and Manjeet Man's run rebel as well. So kids of all ages can get involved in this. Fabulous. Well, I mean, let's hope lots, lots do, because it was a wonderful experience for Hyder's children and anybody who gets involved will benefit from it, I imagine. So look, Charlotte, I'm going to put you on mute and go back to Matt's interview now, if that's OK, because I wanted to talk to you separately about other things a little bit later. Is that all right? That's absolutely fine. I've oh, done it. On, he's on mute already. OK, Matt, um, I want to go back to uh, we've done the adult poem. But it was when you were a teacher, what did you I know what I always has, have to do when I'm telling kids to write poems, trying to get them to write a good poem. What what was your experience with what you had to always remind them to do? Um, well, the, the, the thing about poetry for me is that I call poetry rebel writing. So poetry is different to any other area of the writing curriculum because, you know, you don't need to follow the same rules. So. For me, poetry is is um, is the only vehicle where you can get your kids in your school writing about their life, and they can do it in their words. So they can, you know, the kids can write. Michael Rosen calls it talking with your pen, which is a really clever way of of, of looking at it. Um, you know, I taught in a school in Manchester, in in quite a tough part of Manchester. And the kids in that part of the school, they speak differently to kids in Birmingham. They have different life experience. So poetry gives you the opportunity to write with your kids and the cool thing about it when you're a teacher you know you have to have all the knowledge all the time you know there's a lot of pressure to get kids writing in a certain way because of the mm -hmm. writing curriculum poetry is the only area where you can say to your kids okay the way you think the way you speak is unique to you here's a here's a space in writing where you can be you and you can talk about your life you can talk about your experiences you don't need to worry about fronted adverbials or semicolons that link two main clauses which are related. This is about you and the way you think and the way you speak. So 
really, I think, you know, the primary school is about opening doorways to poetry. And you can do that as a teacher simply by reading poems out every day, you know, read a poem out every day. And if you do that, the kids will begin to realise that poetry, you know, people are only frightened of poetry when they think it's one thing, you know. Um, and if you can open doorways in your classroom, the kids will go, oh, right, so that, that's a poem and that thing's a poem and that's a poem. Well, all of this is poetry. And it's just, you know, it's about reading poems out, exposing kids to poetry. So I guess your teaching style when you're writing poems is to remind them to write about themselves and to break the rules, if you call it rebel writing. Because I, I was getting at, you know, like I try to get them to write poems. I get a paragraph of, of narrative. I'm like, it needs to be shorter lines. Um, but I think you were answering my later question, like how to get the best poetry out of kids, like sort of make them tell you in their own words about their own lives. Is it- Am I paraphrasing you correctly? <clears throat> no, I, I, I just I think I think it's a different space. So when you talk about good poetry, I think that, you know that that's purely uh, opinion. So I, I don't I don't know if there is good and bad poetry. It's whatever you think about poetry. It's just a different. It's like a, it's an art form, isn't it? So it's opinion yeah. based. When I think a role as a teacher, what a teacher can do is 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 um, write with the kids. And and you know if you read a poem out with the kids, you've no idea what the poet's intention was. And you can say that to the kids, I have no idea what this is about, but what do we think? How does it make us feel? And if you use poetry as a starting point to open those discussions, it's this space away from constriction and away from um, rules and government-imposed, DFE-imposed rules. You you, you can write with the kids and say, look at what this poet's doing. We think they're doing this. Let's have a go at it ourselves. Okay. Yeah, I, I think you're answering quite a few of my questions there in one, like, sort of how to get the best poetry out of children and the best way to enjoy it with them is to read with them um, Mm -hmm. and and show them that you don't necessarily always know what what they're saying but that's okay yeah Yeah. I, I, I have a different experience I suppose because I'm not a poet I write narrative and like longer stuff so when yeah. I'm writing poems with children, I'm like, and I'm very good at modelling narrative and how to write <clears throat> description, maybe not yeah. so good at modelling poetry. So when I'm saying let's write a poem, I'm going back to Key Stage 2 now. I'm not doing it in EYFS. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're just learning how to hold our pencil at the moment. Um, but I'm okay. saying to them, oh, look, you've got to take out a few. Well, this is this is lovely, but it's too long. And and let's make our, our line shorter. And could we think of a better word for it? Because we have got fewer words. So they need to be more powerful. But it doesn't sound like you really would give them so much direction. Am I right? Would you just... Get well, I think it, it, what they wanted. <laughs> if, if you do, it, it's a different. It, it takes a bit of practice as a teacher because teachers are so used to um, having to uh, um, get kids to put certain things into their writing. Yeah. You know, uh, you know. Uh, when I was a teacher, I was a year six teacher for most of my career. If we, if we were doing a narrative, you know, you're provided with models by the government to say this is a good piece of narrative writing in year six because it contains this. Well, there's none of that with poetry. So it's a case of, okay, you know, if we're talking about telling your truth, we've been talking about the PSHE stuff that we've been doing about thoughts and feelings. Is this your truth and is it in your words? Mm. And if it is, then it's different. You, you, there's no pressure to stand behind somebody's shoulder saying, I've got to get this kid to write this because I've not done that. It's, it's poetry. And if, if you're reading a poem out a day, what I used to do is I'd sometimes put the poems under the visualizer so the kids could see that every single poem is a different doorway. Every single poem has a different shape on the page. So you were talking about long lines. Well, some poems, 
do mm. look a bit like narrative. Some I poems do, yeah. look totally different. Every poem looks different. And if you if you're reading a poem out a day and you're having that discussion under the visualizer, kids are going, "All oh, right," you know, because nobody can give you a definition of what poetry is. No, you know, any anybody that does, I, I, you know, I would mistrust them. It, it, it's about thoughts and feelings and ideas and if it's really just about opening those doorways and saying look oh look at the shape of this one this is interesting look I wonder why they've done that I wonder why that and this one looks totally different it's just you know in my mind it's just about opening doorways it's interesting when I was a moderator for the bar for English um they very you very rarely saw a poem in the portfolio mm -hmm. you know six pieces yeah. but I, I yeah, always good. I always put a poem in <laughs> like, yeah, I, yeah, always because I, I yeah. found it very easy to get good <clears throat> good poems, you know, poems that had fantastic metaphors in them. But it sounds like you would be slightly different to me if you think yeah. it's good that they weren't even in there. Yeah, well, yeah, seriously. <laughs> when when you know when I was when I was in year six, so I, I went into year six um the year after the writing sats finished when, when the moderation stuff started, and my head said, I don't want you to put any poetry in there, and that was brilliant for me because mm poetry can't be pushed into a box by anybody it can't be judged on somebody else's expectations so that so in my mind it you know a poem that you think is good i might i might think it's rubbish at all it might not land with me and similarly i might think of you know the same thing because it's about opinions and so it, it, i think it's brilliant that poetry can't be pushed into that box by the DFA not, or by anybody I, I mean, at a risk of having an argument, like, are there not some some standards when it comes to what? I mean, there are certain poems that we teach on on many, you know, the Highwayman and the Lady of Shalott, ones <clears> that <throat> I always use. Surely these are incredible poems, sort of objectively very good poems, and have have taken the form to another level. Otherwise, we wouldn't still be teaching them today. Or would you say no? Throw all of those out and and just no, no, poems no, no, no. No, no, no. Uh, what, what, I'm say what I'm saying is the way I used to talk about it, so, so where I taught, it wasn't far away from Manchester Art Gallery. So mm -hmm. I used to talk to kids about poetry and say, uh, my, my teaching assistant at the time was called uh, Mrs. Fisk, and I used to say, right, so, so think of poetry name. like that. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. Um, I used to say, if, if um, me and Mrs. Fisk went into the art gallery in Manchester and we looked at all of the paintings, Mrs. Fisk might think that a painting that's really famous in there is the greatest painting she's ever seen. And I might think it's rubbish and I might think a poem's brilliant and she might not like it. And poetry is the same thing. It's all about opinion. So, yeah, of course, people hang on to the highwayman and, and, and um, you know, the magic box by Kit Wright because they're great mm. poems. Um, but, I, you know, I just think it's important that kids understand that when they're writing poems and listening to poems, it's about opinions. It's about what they think. It's about what they think, how it makes them feel. Um, you know, is, that that's not for, that's, is that not true for all literature, though? I mean, I would argue as, you know, somebody who did literature at university, that's I was always arguing with the, my my lecturers about what I was being made to, to read and saying, this is useless, I want to read this. But um, oh, yeah. I, I think that's true. That's true of all literature. But then there are, I am glad I, I've read certain things just because you need it for cultural capital, don't you? you? You wouldn't know what people were talking about unless you had read it. And I feel like I, this kind of leads me on to my next question. Do you think learning to recite, there was a big thing about reciting, wasn't there? Because mm -hmm. some of these very traddy secondary schools are getting kids to do it in the playground. Do you think it's not really reciting, they're like copying their teacher, it's call and response, but um, that besides, do you think I teach my children when I'm a year six teacher to recite? 
the Lady of Shalot, mm. like start to finish, and the Highwayman. I just feel like if they they own that language, this is my opinion now. If they own that language and they can say that and they understand what it all means because you've explained it line by line, that's kind of a gift for a child to take with them through life. Do you see any benefit in that or not? Well, you know, it's opening a doorway to poetry, isn't it? Um, and any doorway to poetry is, is good for me. All right. Okay. So um, I've got a couple more questions, if you don't mind. Do you think there are any poets, I mean, that are missed off curriculums that should be there? Ones that there must be, there must be hundreds that you like, that would you'd like to see get taught more widely? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's, a, in, in my mind, I think it's a bit of a golden age of, of, of people writing um, um, for, for, for kids and young adults at the minute. So there's loads and loads of poets. Um, there's a brilliant northern poet called Dom Conlon um, who writes brilliantly. Jan Dean is a fantastic poet. Uh, John Agard won a prize recently, uh, you know, a Lifetime Achievement Award. He's a brilliant poet. Mandy Coe, who I've read the poem out before. Kate Wakeling. Um, you know, there's, there's so many people writing brilliant stuff. It's it's just about trying to get it, get it into classrooms and getting it onto the teachers' desks, really. It is because you don't know. I mean, people do fall back on Kit Wright, the Magic Box, and and the Highwayman because. Unless you read poetry yourself as an adult, you're not going to know. You're certainly not going to know the latest poets. Um, so, mm. yeah, I don't know. What, and I think, things like the Poetry think, Day are good, the National Poetry Day and what, what Charlotte's doing at the CLPE. But there, there aren't people, there aren't enough people involved in it, really, are there, if you think about no, it? No, and, and, and I'm aware of the, the teacher's workload and, and um, you know, where, where we taught, well, where I taught, um, you know, if you get six or seven contemporary poetry books on your desk, some single author collections, some anthologies, and you read a poem out a day, what what hopefully the teachers will do without any extra work on them, you know, having to, re having to read poetry on a Sunday night, if, if they're in front of poems every day, mm. hopefully they'll begin to get um, sort of, you know, see see what different poets are doing, what modern poets are doing, but also pick out shapes of poems and patterns within the poems that they can use within the classroom. So when I was teaching it, you know, I'd, I'd read a poem a day. And if I saw a poem that I thought, oh, I, like the, I like the shape of that, I like the pattern of that, there's something within it that I can hang the ideas and, and the thoughts and feelings of my kids with. And I'd, I'd use them without having to, you know, like I said, sit on a Sunday night reading a poetry book because I was doing it in my day-to-day -day practice. Yeah, that's a great idea. I think maybe as a head teacher, head teachers listening, they could bring that in, not like not every teacher is going to think to do that. But if a head teacher said, oh, look, this is um, a great anthology. We're going to do a poem a day from this one. And then it would get more poetry read aloud. That's a very good idea. OK, my last question to you is it's not really poetry um, based but or okay. it's it's <laughs> it's room room 101 i do like to hear what annoys people because a lot of things uh -huh. annoy me but you can you can like link it to anything you want uh have have you got some stuff you'd put in there yeah i'd, I'd put cues in there i can't stand queuing it irritates me um <laughs> i uh i can't uh, eczema irritates me i get eczema i find that irritating and um, disappointing sandwiches. I put them in there as well. What would you count as a disappointing sandwich? Oh, well, you know what I mean. Like if you go to a, if you go to a pub and there's a cheese sandwich, a cheese and pickle sandwich, and it's it's not that difficult, is it? And you get something really minging and limp. <laughs> okay. All right, that's great. Okay, well, thanks very much. It's been really interesting. If you want to hang around, you can. If you want to go, you can go. But um, I won't uh, disconnect you. Um, I'm going to. All right, no worries. I'm going to talk to Charlotte after the news. Okay, thanks a lot again. Bye.
This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Scotland, the largest teaching union, the EIS, has rejected the latest pay offer to Scotland's teachers of 1.22%. Des Morris, EIS salaries convener, said, The latest revised offer from the Scottish Government and COSLA is derisory. With inflation currently running at around 4%, we have already made very clear to the employer's side that we will not accept an offer of 1.22% for our members. For COSLA and the Scottish Government to then take weeks to come back with essentially the same offer with some minor cosmetic window dressing is an insult to the professionalism and hard work of every teacher in Scotland. A salary claim for 2021-22 was made over a year ago for between 3 and 5%. A spokesman for COSLA said, we remain in constructive dialogue. The head teacher of a school in Gwynedd in North Wales has faced threats after trying to recover £1,800 worth of debt by refusing to feed children whose accounts are in debit. Mr Foden, in an interview with ITV Wales, said, I have only been the strategic head teacher since the middle of June, but this, I gather, has been going on since November or December last year. What's been happening is a number of parents have been running up debts. The school has a policy of texting them every Friday to remind them they need to pay. When that failed, they were sent letters. But when that failed, it doesn't seem like anything else has happened. Mr Foden went on to say, I've had threats. I've had people say they know where I live. We've had verbal abuse in the foulest terms. And some of that has been directed at the office staff as well, which has been completely unacceptable. A spokesperson from Gwynedd Council said, we apologise for the worry and concern caused by the content and wording of a recent letter to parents regarding school dinner payments. This has been your Weekend News. Hi Charlotte. Hello, lovely to be here again. Thanks Jane. Uh, nice to hear your voice okay especially after last week when I think my second call had forgotten all about me and I was shouting into a void for ages until Emma rescued me okay so let's start off with our cocktail your cocktail yes please I'm going to go to a cocktail that is a cocktail that I last drank with a poet and it was uh, just before the clipper when I was uh, in the same hotel as Matt and we bumped into each other in the bar and I was drinking I think what is your favourite cocktail as well which is an old-fashioned. Oh um, good choice, I yeah. very rarely say that because I'm quite 
fussy. Lots of people say ones and I'm like, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that. But yeah, so old fashioned. Do you tell me how to make it? I know how to make it. Well, yeah, I'm going to go for, well, there, there was a particularly good old fashioned in this hotel, but I'm going to go for a slightly different old fashioned, which is a Bayesian old fashioned, uh, which was introduced uh, to me by the wonderful April Jackson, who uh, runs Three Little Birds restaurant in Brixton. And it's where the whiskey element of the old fashioned is replaced by rum. Oh, <laughs> I can't imagine that would be very nice, though. It's amazing. It is incredible. It's a different taste, though. I mean, the whole point of the old fashioned, it's got that that really strong whiskey. I'll try it. I will it's, it's, got, it's got the strong, strong rum flavour in it as well. Jane, if you're near Brixton, get yourself down to Three Little Birds and try gonna, it on there. I'll have to. Seema, who's listening now, says she loves an old fashioned and then had the exact same reaction as me. You can't change a classic. So, I mean, I think if you'd said um, it's a whiskey with a hint of something, I might have gone. But to change the whiskey for rum, it doesn't really seem like an old fashioned anymore. But, you know, we can argue about that another time. I'll try it first. I think you should. I shouldn't reserve judgment until I've tried one. I hope okay. you, <laughs> you said to me earlier you you typed in here you've got a poem for that but I didn't I don't know what I was talking about at the time I've got a poem for your phonics actually you were talking about introducing the mm digraph uh and as oh, it, mm. yeah mm. I did that last week I I had uh he's a uh what was it king kong ping pong pingy pongies I have uh, a song for all of them. I can't remember that one. Well, well tell me your one. If you're going to do your revisit and revise, because it enables you to revisit and revise the whole of the basic code, you need to go to Zim Zam Zoom by James Carter and you need to read oh, okay. his firework poem. Because right. uh, some of the lines in there are with a crack and a bang and a bim bam boom, with a whiz and a fizz and a zim zam zoom. All of those elements are decodable with your basic code. Oh. Get the kids using and applying in the context of a brilliant poem. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm not saying I don't, I won't revisit it. Obviously, we're doing it. But we, I've, I wondered if you had a poem for TH because I'm I kind of tearing my hair out that it's got two sounds and I've got to teach this to four year olds next week. But um, yeah, I'll, I, what's the name of that poet who does that it's firework? James Carter and his collection is Zim Zam Zoom. Brilliant. Zim Zam Zoom. You've got your pi pirate tough spot as well, haven't you, Jane? <laughs> I've got a pirate tough tray next and week. Yeah. One of them, one of the poems in there as well is Pirate Pete. So that's definitely the collection for you. All right. I'm going to look it up. Thank you very much. But have you got a poem to read aloud for me now? I have. I've gone for a bit of a different vibe from Matt. Um, I've gone for the kind of comedic and, and dark. Well, mine was humor. funny. Yours was funny. Yeah. Um, a lot of the poems that I, I like to hear are ones also that poets read aloud themselves. So I was going to pick things like this for like Grace Nichols's Sally Size Zero, Valerie Bloom's Sandwich or uh, John Agard's Among the Hairy Boos and Smoothie Booth. But those aren't ones that I would read out. Those are the ones I'd want to hear the poets read aloud themselves because you really mm. need their voices. John Hegley's Guillemot is the same as that. But I've gone for Kate Wakeling, who Matt also uh, recommended. And I love her evocative imagery and um, when you're reading aloud, you were talking about phonics earlier, you take the weight of the decoding work off the kids so that they can really visualise and get into the imagery of the poet. So this one's called Rich Pickings. A scab's your own personal pie crust. Its insides cooked up nice and pink. Make sure not to fiddle before it is done. An itch tells you it's on the brink. Yes, a scab's your own personal pie crust. And I favour a filling of knee. But I don't think that this morsel's for sharing. This pie crust belongs just to me. Oh, 
Oh, that's gross. I love it. <laughs> it's good, but it does make you go Ugh, a bit, doesn't it? Kids love it. Every time you read that one aloud, <laughs> I have never had a negative reaction from a kid about that poem. Oh, I haven't. I haven't tried reading it aloud, so maybe I will. Okay. And have you got an adult poem that you like? Yeah, there are so many. I mean. It's so hard to pick one. I can never pick one favourite poem. My favourite will change on any given day of any given week of any given year. And I think that's what's so great about poetry and what poetry is. It's that exploration of the human condition. It allows you to reflect on what it means to be human. It can entertain. It can be funny. It can be evocative. It can help us to empathise. It can help us to make sense of our experience. It can be emotive. I think the best poetry has to make us feel something. You know, it's almost it's of the people and it's by the people um I was going to pick one but as Matt picked one from that as well from Tomorrow is Beautiful by Sarah Crossan which was Sarah Crossan's The Pit um which I've, I've read a lot um but I'm going to go instead I had a I had a standby in case anyone picked the same one as me uh, I'm going to go instead for Nikita Gill her collection Where Hope Comes From which has been um one that I've revisited over and over again both during lockdown and post lockdown and it's this is Reasons to Live Through the Apocalypse okay Sunrises. People you have still to meet and laugh with. Songs about love, peace, anger and revolution. Walks in the woods. The smile you exchange with a stranger when you experience beauty accidentally together. Butterflies. Seeing your grandparents again. The moon in all her forms, whether half or full. Dogs. Birthdays and half birthdays. That feeling of floating in love. Watching birds eat from bird feeders, the waves of happiness that follow the end of sadness. Brown eyes. Watching a boat cross an empty sea. Sunsets. Dipping your feet in the river. Balconies. Cake. The wind in your face when you roll the car window down on an open highway. Falling asleep to the sound of a steady heartbeat. Warm cups of tea on cold days. Hugs. Night skies, art museums, books filled with everything you do not yet know, long conversations, long lost friends, poetry. Oh, that's lovely. Was that written in the pandemic during lockdown? Yeah, that's from her collection, Where Hope Comes From. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's lovely. I think I, I don't read enough. What I've re realised from this entire show is I don't read enough poetry because I don't know half of these and they're all fantastic. So I'm going to have to get reading poetry again. There's so, there's so many um, adult poets out there that I could have picked from, you know, ones that I love, Joelle Taylor, Anthony Anaxagoru, Holly McNish, Kay Tempest, George the Poet, uh, Raymond Antrobus. I've got to give a special shout out to Joelle Taylor because with... Um, Tom McAndrew, Karim Kamar and Sam Julia Bromfield, they run one of the most uplifting poetry nights I've ever been to, which is called Outspoken. and It runs at the South Bank Centre. Uh, I went last month and if there's ever a time that you feel down, mm. going to a night there is absolutely incredible. If you want to know more about adult poetry, um, that's, that's definitely a place to start. But also people like John Hegley, Roger McGough, John Agard, Michael Rosen, Helen Dunmore, Liz Berry and Norman McCaig as well. Yeah, I might go to one, you know, what do you say, the South Bank Centre? South Bank Centre, yeah, it's called Outspoken. Um, the, next great. One, the next one's on the 25th of November, it's in okay. the evening. I'll see if I can get myself a ticket, that would be, 
yeah, really enjoy it for the evening. I'm what you're hearing the actual poets read. Yeah, poems, hearing the yeah. actual poets on stage. They have incredible people there. Um, last one, Joelle Taylor performed herself. I mean, her her collection songs, "My Enemy Taught Me," is a fantastic collection, and the fantastic Raymond Antrobus as well. That was incredible seeing him live on stage, uh, and a good mix of poetry and music as well. It was we were dancing in the aisles by the end of it, and it was just the perfect evening. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a really good recommendation. People, I think some people often don't know what to do on an evening out and that would be something new to try. I think lots of people would enjoy it. And you said the 25th of November is the next one. Yeah, it's the next one. I'm definitely going to see if I can get drag someone along with me. I'm not going to go solo. Okay. Let's, let's move on to when you were a teacher. I didn't do that intro for you in the end. I think it's because I had all three of you on and we answered a question immediately, but you were a teacher. I was going to say that you were a teacher. once. Um, and uh, uh, like me, uh, English lead and EYFS you've done as well as assistant. I've done, I've done across, I've done, yeah, English lead, EYFS and Key Stage 2 lead as well. Yeah, same as me, apart from I haven't done assistant head, but I've done all the other three. So uh, interesting similarities there in our careers, apart from uh, you've moved out of it now. But if you cast your mind back to when you were a teacher, do you remember when you were teaching children about writing poems, what it was like? Because Matt and I had an extended conversation about that, and I was trying to get out of him what... He, he had to tell children to do. And I think he was he was trying to tell me nicely, you don't tell children how to write poems. But I feel like I have to guide them in some way, I guess, with the year six hat on. Do you, yeah. do you remember what it was like teaching children? Poems? I do. And I think I'm going to merge two of the questions that you asked in one, which is, you know, what's the best way to get it going? And then what do you want them to know about writing poetry? The first mm. thing is just immerse them in it and immerse them in it without any agenda. It's not because you're going to ask them questions about it or because you want them to write in response to it. Just hear lots of it read aloud. Get them to know lots of different poets. One of my favourite things to do is an exercise called poetry papering, which was inspired by an idea um, of Michael Rosen's, where you just pin loads of different poems uh, by all different poets around the room. Sad poems, funny poems, poems that make you think, poems that make you feel, poems about the natural world, anything. And you let kids just go on almost like a gallery walk where they pick Mm. one that they want to talk about and then they want to talk about it with someone else rather than being forced to talk about a poem the teacher's chosen and also show them videos of poets reading their poetry aloud the best way to engage them is to show them who writes poetry and what it can do um, and that it can be people like them as well so that's why we produce those free poetry videos on CLP website um, and we make them freely available Um, yeah I had a look at um, Alan Oldberg reading his dog in the play and that's on your website before that I is, did that's it. That's the number one downloaded video on our website. That and <laughs> well, Roger McGoss' sound collector. It's a good poem. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that and Roger McGoss' sound collector. I, 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 I encourage people to look, not that they aren't great poems, but there's so much <laughs> more out there as well. Okay, um, and yeah. I think I'd, I'd agree with a lot of what Matt said. You know, you've got to get children to be themselves and write from them, for themselves and write from their own experience. You've got to break this idea that poetry is a th- certain thing and it's got to be a certain way or it's got to be about a certain thing or it's written by a certain type of person. Um, as I said before, poetry is for everyone. Everyone has the capacity to write it. You just have to have something to say and you've got to 
to decide on how best to say it. And then you can look back at other poems for the ideas of how to be able to do it. Um, I would, you know, coming back to something you said, I'm not going to do that with kids in my reception class, but absolutely you can write with the youngest children. Um, Matt's new collection, Caterpillar Cake, is a brilliant one, again, for early years in Key Stage 1. He's got a poem called On the Carpet, which is a list poem, uh, and it's got a repetitive refrain in it, which is just on the carpet. It starts on the carpet, sit up straight, on the carpet, feeling great on the carpet, listen, learn, on the carpet, take a turn. You could then give that line to your kids on the carpet and they can talk about anything that's happened on the carpet with them. You know, it's a relatable experience. You can write a class poem together and then a kid might be saying lines, you know, that's writing poetry, performing and saying poetry. It doesn't necessarily have to be written down on the page. You've just got to show them the ways in. Um, Michael Rosen's A Great Big Cuddle is another brilliant one for early years. Um, his poem, I Am Angry, again is a brilliant one for early years kids because it explores the feeling of being angry mm. every early years kids been angry before and the <laughs> poem can help them make sense of that emotion but it can also inspire them to write about their own emotions as well yeah I mean I think I probably did myself a disservice because we did write a poem the other day I mean we wrote we like apples and bananas I like pears I like strawberries they're just great oranges and pears enough for us to share sing a song for fruit time a show we care now I did it with the music teacher um because I wanted a song for fruit time I think I got the first three lines wrong but they gave me the words so we have done it but I just I think I meant not in the the way that I normally teach poetry it's just different down there isn't it okay um I want to ask you about reciting because sure. that was topical a few weeks ago um, what do, where do you stand on it, getting children to memorise the classics? Um, I think learning to perform and recite any poetry is beneficial. It helps with kids reading fluency. It helps with their confidence. It helps with their social and emotional awareness as well. Often it's not until you prepare to perform that you get to the heart of a poem um, and you consider how to take your listener into the feeling and the moment that's at the heart of the poem. Um, I think we have to question what we mean by a difficult poem or a challenging poem because poetry in and of itself is challenging. Um, I think, you know, you and Matt were talking about the, the barriers to poetry set by the curriculum and the assessment. And poetry is often seen as the easy option. But sometimes I think it's the brevity, it's the gaps that are left, it's the white space that forces the reader to do a much greater weight of the reading work. You know, you saw that through Matt's Better at Yours poem. It was a really short poem, but there's some really challenging themes, some really challenging concepts that you're going to want to open wider discussions with the kids around. You know, some poems do offer challenge in language that's where your classic poetry that's got that archaic language comes in but others offer challenge in the rhythms and the flow Matt's got a poem called uh, a special badger now that might not be thought of as difficult but it really is because there's some real linguistic complexity in in giving to the rhythms of that poem to be able to for, perform or recite it effectively um, somebody in the chat has just asked as well where do you stand with poetry and rap well that's a different you know it, it's part of poetry um, if you think about about poets like Carl Nova or Breeze, you know, they're writing poetry for kids that merges sort of poetry and rap together and shows them another facet to what poetry is and what it could be. Um, and reciting and particularly writing in rap is a really challenging thing for children. Yeah, um, I think it is difficult, rap. I mean, yeah. that some, some of it is linguist linguistically very complex stuff. And Absolutely. The, 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 the rhythm, I mean, 
Eminem, I don't listen to him anymore, but I used to when I was younger. And it was really difficult, some of the, the way he got the words in very quickly. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think it, it makes us question what the idea of this challenge is. You know, it's, it's a bit the same as cultural capital, actually, Jane. It's whose culture is it and what capital does it serve? You know, mm. who is deciding what's challenging and what's not? And why is this thing challenging and that thing isn't? We've got to look at all of it and say that actually, as a, as a concept, poetry can be challenging. It can be challenging to read. It can be challenging to write. It can be challenging to perform. And who sets this hierarchy of what's challenging and what's not? Is it maybe because there's no objective way to evaluate a poem and say, oh, this is good? You know, like you, you can look at, you can say, oh, this has got really good vocabulary. And when I'm talking about children writing it, this has got great sentence structure and they've used punctuation really well. Whereas because there's no rules in poetry, you can't say whether it's good or not. So maybe that's why people see it's an easy option. Well, it's what you see is good and what you think is good. It might be mm. very different to what I think is good. You know, it yeah. depends on what you you're looking at, at it through, what experience you come to the poem with. And, you know, again, as an educator, your teacher lens is looking at it in a different way. We did, we did a poetry research project, The Power of Poetry, and we had two year six teachers on the programme, um, both of whom were moderated in the year of the research programme. They had their moderators come in and one of the moderators said, I'm not going to look at any of your poetry because it won't tell me anything that gives evidence for the assessment focuses. The other moderator said, I can see the most evidence of challenge, of like deft, judicious use of language, of imagery in the poetry they've written more than any of the other writing. Yeah, I mean, I, as I said, I, I put poems when I'm a year six teacher into the moderating, the sample thing that you would put forward. I mean, I know as a moderator, you can call on any evidence that's in their books as well. But I always used to put poetry in because I thought it was a, a good way to show how um, they had absorbed difficult language and metaphors and, you know, that they could put themselves away in a, across in a sophisticated way. But you, you can't judge it as easily as a moderator but I would be happy to to moderate writing with poetry in it I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that oh don't put poetry into it um and it's also where a kid's going to be at their most expressive you know we had yeah. some brilliant examples of poetry through the children through that project you know one little boy for the first time um he'd never opened up about the death of his granddad um but he wrote this incredible poem about the death of his granddad that had you know the most beautiful precision the most empathetic quality to it that probably wouldn't tick loads of boxes on the assessment focuses but was an incredible piece of writing that could have gone in any published collection so you know it, it I think it's like Matt said how do you judge what's good and what's not and you know you've got to come at poetry with different eyes you've got to think of it first of what does it make me think about how does it make me feel what makes me feel that way and if you know if you're if you're engaged in a poem in that way then it's a good poem yeah I, I wonder I've got a question here I didn't ask Matt I don't know if he's still listening but I'll just unmute him in case he was um I, I didn't ask him this and I did say I would ask it was about poems that you like that you can't necessarily use with children because they're unsuitable because I've got a poem that I've always wanted to use and I never can Goblin Market because I love it um, and I just think it would be great, but you, you can't really use it because it's totally unsuitable for, for Key Stage 2 even. But I wonder if you had any similar poems that you like. I, I love Sylvia Plath as well. You couldn't use that. Um, I just wondered. I thought it was a, a good question. <laughs> 
Um, I think a lot of the ones that excite me as an adult reader are those that are ones that are kind of challenge the status quo. Um, mm. I think you can bring them in when you know children are open and ready for it. You know, you can, there's, there's some great, I, I love George the Poet as well. There's some great um, poems in his collection, Search Party, that really do speak to the kids. Um, you know, one of them is called The Ends of the Earth that says a child is not a portion of an adult, it's a partial being. A child is an absolute person, an entire life. The fact that a child is developing doesn't mean it's incomplete. Mm. This just makes it especially important for the child to drink and eat and get a decent wink of sleep. Now, there's probably lots of kids who in year five and year six might actually be able to relate to that really well. Yeah. It's knowing your class and knowing what they're ready for and not thinking, you know, they have to have certain poetry. It's 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 being guided by who they are, what they show you and what you think they need in terms of developing their creative and their critical thinking. Are you also still there, Matt, or not? No, I don't yeah, know. yeah, I'm, I'm listening oh, to all of yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't ask you that one. Did Do you have any sort of adult poems you want, <clears throat> would like to use, but you can't? Um, not like nothing off the top of my head. I, 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 I get that there's, that there's certain themes that are inappropriate to talk to mm. kids about. Um, but like, like you, you, you were picking up on the fact that the two poems that I picked were were sort of quite sad. Um, when I first started writing poetry, people said to me, "Oh, you can't, you can't write about sad. Oh, no, no, you can't write about sadness. No, 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 we don't." Well, you know, I, I, I had quite a difficult childhood. My childhood was quite sad, and so, uh, you know, I, I was picking poems when I was working as a teacher that hopefully reflected the children that were in front of me, mm, and, yeah. and just because you know a, a, a child in my class whose parent had died. Do do I not address that, do, or, or do you know? And and it's about trying to pick those. So clearly, there's themes that are inappropriate to use with children, but it, but you can use adult poems with children. It, it, it's you know, it, it's again like I was talking to you about about opening that doorways to poetry, but not one particular poem off the top of my head do I wish I could use. If you see what I mean? Yeah, I suppose it's it's not that I really wish I could. I, I don't really want to do Daddy Sylvia Plath for the Year Six, but <laughs> I just they're they're poems that I I I loved. And yeah, I kind yeah, of yeah. wish I could teach. I think sometimes I wish I was teaching A-level English because there yeah. are some absolute belters that I've never been able to discuss as a teacher. I think that was probably more rather than taking unsuitable material to 11-year-olds. I don't really want to do that. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. probably think, best not then. <laughs> I, think, I think, Jane, you know, it, it's doing the right, going back to doing the right thing at the right time. You know, that's why Matt, that poem that Matt read aloud at the beginning is so great because, you know, actually, Actually, you could go back to like this be the verse by Philip Larkin and you, you could want to explore the concepts that are that are involved in the first line of that, but that's not suitable for kids at primary level. No, it isn't. However, Matt's is a really good doorway into this be the verse if they meet that at A level. Yeah, yeah, no, you good points articulately put. Okay, so um let me just I've got Hyder coming on. Let me just ask you. Um, for any poets you've said a long list of poets actually but are there any that you would love to see on a curriculum that are not there you you had so many Charlotte yeah um, I mean I think the thing about the curriculum is the curriculum doesn't say about what poets no it doesn't but you know ones that that are never there on anybody's school curriculum um, really so I think that there's so many that children's poets that are my favourite, Laura Mooker, Kate Wakeling, uh, A.F. Harold, Rachel Rooney, Shawla Darling-Robertson, Zaro Wheel, uh, Carl Nova, again, Breeze, Jay Holm, Sarah Crossan. 
uh, James Carter for early years as, alongside Jane Newbury and Shirley Hughes. Um, but I'd also want to look at dialect poetry because we find that teachers are really afraid to tackle that um, because yes, they're so worried about reading it aloud. Um, we've got, and we've also got this kind of idea that standard spoken English is the pinnacle and we're often correcting children's dialect and it's through dialect poetry that kids can see that there isn't one way to talk, that all voice is valid. So, I mean, it's essential that people like, people like Val Bloom, Grace Nichols, John Agard, John Lyons, James Berry are part of that curriculum as well. It was brilliant to see John Agard honoured with the Lifetime Achievement Award by Book Trust this week because he's done so much to show the the importance that there isn't one way uh, that you know it's not the queen's english it's our english and we should know how to use it in different ways i mean you you said that you like to hear some poets read their own poetry so it's good that there are places that you can go to hear those dialect poems read aloud isn't it because as a teacher i wouldn't want to try and and do the 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 dialect accent because i'd get it wrong and it, i'd ruin the poem but you i do often show videos of of the the actual poet reading is that a good way round? Absolutely, and that's why we we make sure at CLP to get such a wide range of poets that have a wide range of voices and styles on the CLP poetry pages. And I must give a shout out as well to the Children's Poetry Archive who do a great job. Oh yeah, it's lovely. The audio that, recording yeah. of that as well. I've used that a lot as well. That's great. Okay, and lastly, Charlotte, have you got anything to put in Room One Hundred One for yes. me? I probably have. Yeah, no, I, I also remembered I didn't say Michael Rosen on that list, who probably has done more for children's poetry than anyone else. I know Matt mentioned him as well. Um, but again, he got the J.M. Barry Award for Lifetime Achievement. And I think you can see his influence in so many of the poets that um, I mentioned there as well. Um, yeah, room 101, though, um, my top one in Room 101 would be Beetroot. I think Beetroot is absolutely vile um, and should be condemned to Room 101 forever. It's funny, it always is pickled, isn't it? It's yeah. a vegetable that has to be pickled. Anyway, I've got to tell you something. Don't care how it is anyway. Don't like it. Room 101 forever. Um, oh, this is going to be a controversial one, Jane, but I'd quite like to put edgy Twitter into Room 101 sometimes. <laughs> On the beat, can I go back to beetroot? Because yeah, go back to beetroot. When I was on the salad bar, um, uh, when I was teaching Key <laughs> uh, Stage 2, I used to do, di I, I eat with the kids now in EYFS, so I'm still serving them, but I used to serve in the dinner hall, and I always picked the salad bar to do, and there was cubed beetroot in a bowl every single day, and not a single child ever had it, and I used to say to Florence, our cook, Florence, why is this beetroot here? How long has it been here for? <laughs> because nobody ever eats it. <laughs> She'd be like, oh, you have, to put, you have to have it in there. Anyway, so your second thing is edgy why are you going to put edgy twitter in there just, just some of it you know it's those moments where you walk into edgy twitter and it's like the room's on fire and you know <laughs> you know things can escalate from naught to a hundred in less than a second and you know it's it's not the place to have nuanced conversations there are some brilliant bits of edgy twitter and i'm you know i'm really glad i'm part of twitter because i've met relationships i've you know got tips and tricks it's great for sharing research but it's the it's the specific bit of edgy twitter where we have only black and white and no gray area and i think that's a really toxic place for education to be 
Yeah, it is nonsense, isn't it? I think, as you said, there's no nuance there whatsoever. You say something, somebody will misinterpret, somebody else will misinterpret the misinterpretation. And before you know it, you've been called every name under the sun for saying something quite innocuous. So so it's not really all of edgy Twitter. It's just that specific part of it. Yeah, okay. I mean, I was going to put the whole of social media into a 101. I mean, I think well, we do, we do everything we do everything online now and I I I sort of miss the days when you went out and you had to find a phone. Otherwise, no one could get in contact <laughs> with you. You're 10p for a phone or you were completely incommunicado. I liked that. Somebody's okay. just called in. I don't know who that is, but I've invited them in anyway. Um, my last thing was poetry snobbery. Coming back to the point of the the program today, um, it was poetry pro- pop, it's poetry snobbery. Thinking that poetry has to be a certain way, or this poetry is good and that poetry is not. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that that that's the truth, that there's there's a poem that's good and there's a poem, but there are certainly poems I think children should be exposed to. I didn't ask Matt this question either, which was one poem you would teach if you only got to teach one. Because I think in a way, you you would have to give a child a classic, wouldn't you? Hello. Hello. Oh, sorry. I'm just going to mute that person there because I don't know who that is yet. Um, Charlotte, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. If you were going to, I did say one poem you would teach if you had only one poem you could put on your curriculum for a year, which one would you choose? And I, I did that for a reason, because I, I thought you would have to choose a long narrative poem that was a classic in order to expose the children to something, um, you know, you couldn't just pick a short poem. But maybe you'll disagree with me. Are you asking me or are you asking Matt? I'm asking both of you because I didn't ask him either. Um, I think I wouldn't pick a classic poet poem as the one I'd come to first. I think they need to see poetry that's relatable that will then lead them into appreciating classic poetry more. Um, I think, I don't know if I can name the one poem, but it would probably be something from Michael Rosen's big book of bad things because um, Michael's got that unique way of speaking to a child and he does it without patronising and he shows exactly what poetry is, what poetry's for and what it could be in pretty much every single poem poem that he writes so I think it would be something from that book that would then open the doors to other kinds of poetry not excluding classic poetry at all but I don't think it's the thing that gets all children into poetry first no yeah good point what, what about Matt what, what would you yeah, do yeah I'd, I'd go with uh, I'd go with Charlotte there I think um if I was only going to teach one poem sorry my dog's barking in the background <laughs> um, <laughs> that's all right I, I, I don't know what the one poem would be but it would have to be something that resonated within the lives of the children sitting in front of me in the classroom um and you know that for me is one of the best ways in that one of those best doorways is to say look here's here's a kind of writing that is relatable to your life um, it, and you you could recognise yourself within it. So I don't know what I would pick, but it, it, I don't think it would be a classic now. Yeah, it was a bit of a mean question. I Because I'm just <laughs> like, I, I was thinking bang for your buck. If I only had one poem, I'd pick a really, really long classic. So there was a lot of language I could um, pull out and things I could refer to. But you've got you've got you've both got a good point there. It's a similar point. Isn't you know it? what it might be? It might be something like actually 
one of either one of Michael Rosen's something from the Big Book of Bad Things or Laura Mooker's The Land of Blue. I, I really love that as a poem to teach. It's got really evocative imagery. It gets children in touch with their emotions and it shows them how to play with language in really brilliant ways. All right, lovely. Okay, I'm going to talk to Heidel after this. I'm sorry if you've been all the way through listening to this and not been able to say anything um, apart from the very beginning. So uh, thank you, Charlotte, and thank you, Matt. I'm, I'm not going to disconnect you in case you want to say anything. You could type and then I can bring you back in. Otherwise, um, thanks and bye for now. Oh, let me find my adverts. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Sorry, I was on mute. Hi, hi, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> I'm, I'm always muting myself then talking and realising I'm muted. Um, I realised I didn't really introduce you. I'm going to say that you're a year one teacher and assistant head, aren't you, in Birmingham, is that right? Yeah. And you're the lead for literacy with EEF. Is that um, additional English as an additional language? Is that the new, or is that something else? No, so, um, with the EEF, I'm the programme lead for literacy. So with What's the, EEF? Uh, Sorry, I don't know. Oh, um, the EEF is the Education Endowment Foundation. Oh, um, yes, of course yeah. it is. <laughs> I know what the Education Endowment know. Foundation is. I just didn't, you know, all these acronyms in education. Yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> all clear. So you're you're the programme lead for literacy with them. Oh, yeah. Fine. Okay. Lovely to speak to you, finally. And thank you for being patient and listening for so long. So no, okay. um, I did. I did talk to you earlier. You don't drink alcohol, but you've got maybe a, a different sort of cocktail for me, have you? Oh, Jane, I do drink alcohol. Oh, you <laughs> do? Definitely do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, so as I was listening to Charlotte, I was thinking of um, it's. It's got to be a caprina for me, like Matt, because um, it's the three ingredients and it's just the tastiest one. That's my favourite cocktail. What's Definitely. in it? It's lime, brown sugar, and I think it's just rum. That's how I make them. I don't think you oh. mix. I don't think you mix anything with it. I might be wrong. Um, that does sound nice. I do like yeah. rum, but I, d I don't like rum as a substitute for whiskey and old fashioned. Like, yeah, I can't stand old fashioned. Can't you? <laughs> no. They are really strong, actually. Old fashioned. Look, they're they're a, a marmite. They're a marmite cocktail. Yeah, I think. Definitely. Um, okay, moving on. Um, have you got a, a poem to read aloud for me? Yeah. So um, a child's poem. No, it was well. Yeah, it can be. It was. It I've was got, a, a got, um, poem that I I thought you might want to read to children. You know what I've realised throughout this entire show how woefully ignorant I am of children's poetry. I thought I was fantastically knowledgeable about everything to do with literature, but I've realised that I I don't know nearly enough poems. So mm. um, yeah, read me. Yeah, read so me. um, a child's poem that I've got to read aloud is um by Joseph Quaylo, and it's called Lion. Um, and I did this with my year ones on National Poetry Day. 
So um, it suits my voice, actually, at the moment. So I'll, I'll give it a go. I am meat liquor, bone cruncher, big meower. I catwalk with pride. My mane is a hairdo of envy. My roar is a rumble of mountains. My claws, a savannah of pain. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, I bet year one loved that. They did. They really loved it. Yeah. Um, Some great images. What was that? My claws are a savannah of pain. Yeah. And it's on a, it's on a double page spread where it's also got, so it's got lion, it's got frog and it's got ant. Um, So he's written three poems about these animals and they're just great to read aloud. Really great. Yeah. Yeah, lovely. How about an adult poem? Did you have one of those for me? Yeah, I've got, um, so my favourite collection of poems um, are by Rupi Kaur. So I've got Milk and Honey. I got it about six years ago now um, as a gift. And there's just one poem um, and it's called Hair. It says, hair, if it was not supposed to be there, would not be growing on our bodies in the first place. So that's the poem. Is that, is that an anti-shaving poem? You know what? Yeah. Um, so this, <laughs> in this book, um, it's like separated into feeling. So it's like the hurting, the loving, the breaking and the healing. And you can interpret it however you want to. Either the hurting that you're feeling yourself or that you can see your friend feeling. Um, but it's just a great, it looks great on the bookshelf too. It's a really beautifully illustrated front cover. Um, but yeah, it's just a really, really lovely book. Yeah, that's um, great. What, what was it called again? It's called Milk and Honey. Milk and Honey by? Rupi Kaur. Rupi Kaur, okay. Um, I like to repeat things because I miss them. And also yeah, yeah. reading, my, after they've heard the poem, might want to hear who it was again. Okay, thank you for those. Um, so uh, this is a terribly worded question, I've realised, asking it three times now. <laughs> what, what do you have to remind children about when writing poems? I mean, you're still teaching um, Matt and... Charlotte both aren't so maybe you can answer it easier I don't know do you when you do you have to tell them stuff when they're writing a poem not to do like my my was don't write such long sentences but then Matt did remind me that you can have long sentences in a poem but it just I I often get like a a paragraph of prose and I'm like that isn't a poem like you have to make it is is different a poem's different to prose Maybe yeah, I, I understand. I understand. Um, I understand what you're saying. So, um, when I was teaching last year, I taught Mementos by Charlotte Bronte, and the children forming their forming their own poetry into stanzas was something like structurally I had to teach because they weren't too sure about how to leave the line gap. So those kinds of things I had to explicitly teach. But um, I just generally believe that it's just how you feel. I really mm. do, um, and. Um, I taught with on National Poetry Day with Year One. We looked at a poem called "Colours of the World," and it was just about children wanting to express what a certain colour made them feel. And there was no, no, there wasn't really any specific structure that they could that they had to use. It was just kind of emotive. Um, so it worked really well to leave it to them. But I understand. I also do understand that sometimes it might need explicit teaching of something yeah colors are a great stimulus that was something I didn't ask um Charlotte or Matt about but I said I might do but have you I I like colors as a stimulus for poetry and you said that's what you used on National Poetry Day wasn't Mm. it are there any other stimulus or stimuli that you use like pictures or other poems 
Yeah, so um, I really like, there's a collection of poems uh, by Mandy Coe, Belonging Street, and there's loads of really great um, images and stanzas in there that get children thinking, because I think you can use other, you can use like a stanza to help motivate and get writing uh, flowing and thoughts flowing. Pictures are great. Um, I really, really enjoy using pictures from Once Upon a Picture. Pixabay are really, um, is a really great resource for really clear, um, exciting images. Um, Pubble 365, again, a really great resource for images. Um, but I remember on National Poetry Day, actually, I just brought in a chocolate cake and that um, obviously on the back of Michael Rosen's <laughs> chocolate cake, but that was enough. The smell of that chocolate cake, the they touched the icing. That was enough to let's let's get a poem going. So um did, did you give it to them in the end? Did you give them a bit? Yeah, yeah, they, had it. They, had it. <laughs> they loved it. <laughs> you must have given them some. You couldn't possibly bring it into class and then not let them have it. <laughs> that would have been cool, wouldn't it? In it the extreme. Been, yeah. Okay. Um, how do you sit on this reciting of long, difficult poems? In fact, we're we're all in agreement in the end. We they both Charlotte and Matt said that it is beneficial to get children to learn long difficult poems but I think it takes you know it's a lot of effort and it's a lot of investment and there are people on the other side of the fence who say no it's not worth it why are you getting them to learn every stanza of the Lady of Shalott or the Highwayman I mean I think it's great but um you you might be on on the other the other side of the fence I don't know no, I, I, I love children learning how to recite poetry. Um, mm. It gives them real ownership of the language and they understand how to read it to have an impact on the audience then. So um, when we were when we were learning the poetry for the clipper shadowing, um, once only once the children had really learned it off by heart, because those weren't poems we studied, we didn't unpick the meaning, but only once the children had really learned them off by heart could they really fully understand the grasp of what the poet might be trying to get across. So I think that that, that helps them internalise it and helps them to feel it. That's how I feel. And I also feel that making them, <laughs> forcing them to, to learn something that they is completely inaccessible at the beginning, something like The Lady of Shalott, they don't know what it means. When you first read them, when you read them the first stanza, they have no clue what that means in year six. And then you teach them line by line what every mm. image means. And then they learn how to recite it. And then they learn how to recite it with meaning because they yeah. know what it means. I just think that's a gift to give children. And all of that investment in the learning process is well worth it because they will go through... And when they eventually encounter it as an adult or in secondary school, they go, hang on a second, I know that one off by heart. And I yeah. just feel like you've given them a present that they won't realise they've got until they're much older. That's my feeling. Yeah. Um, but maybe I'm missing off, you know, all of these other poems and poets that, you know, because my other question was poet, poets missed off the curriculum. And I'm aware I don't introduce a lot of new poetry to them because if you're doing one poetry unit, um, a year or two a year and you're spending that entire unit learning the highwayman or the lady of shalot or or whatever the other ones are off by heart you're not really going to have a lot of time i guess you could do the one poem a day thing that matt was saying 
Yeah, so, um, sorry, <clears throat> the uh, in July, the DfE published the, um, the literacy framework and it, it talks in there about making sure that children have access to a song and a poem a day. And we just thought as a school, yeah, we just thought as a school, how are we going to make sure that that is, that is happening? And um, it is, we've done exactly what Matt mentioned. We've, we've bought um, a range of poetry anthologies. So we've got um, a poem for every day of the year, the seed that grew the tree. We've got the Puffin, a fantastic first collection of poems. Um, we've got Nadim, Take Off Your Brave, which is a collection of poems written by a four-year-old. Um, and oh. it's, it's, it's just the best book. And we've just we've just allocated each day, pick a poem from there. And, you know, if the children, and then that goes in our reading corner, the children can access it because obviously teaching lower keys, stage one and early years, the children can't yet read the poem, but once they hear it over and over and they learn to love it, they 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 give it a go and they try and recite it. So it's 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 definitely I've seen I've really seen the impact of doing that since September. I've just I can imagine. Yeah. So when's that DFE got that's kind of gone under the radar, or have I been living it under came the out, No, it did it came out. I I really believe it came out the, the last week or the second last week before we broke up for the summer. Um, this this document and is that um, statutory that we have to do it then or is it just guidance like you should it's do just, it? It's just guidance. It's just they. Um, it's good guidance, um, but I, yeah. I didn't even know that that had come into. Yeah, the reading story. framework. It just it's called the reading framework, teaching the foundations of literacy. Um, oh no, I've read that. Sorry, yeah. I just yeah, I, I must have just not read it thoroughly enough. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> Hi, Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. It's one of those days. So, hang on a minute. You mean the one for early years? And um, no. the one for early years. There's another one, is there? Oh my goodness. I'm. It, it's be quiet. it's just the standard reading framework, Jane. Standard, they they, yeah. they select that you they they suggest that you look at the range and breadth of and progression of poetry that you've got across the primary. It's part of the it's guidance document. It's not statutory. It's not the statutory EYFS one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've read that one. Um, <laughs> you've got to forgive me. There is a lot of DFE stuff comes out, though, yeah, isn't there? It's not like yeah. we have all the time in the world either as teachers. Okay, mm. moving on. Um, oh, so what have we not spoken about? The best way for enjoying poems with kids. I mean, you probably answered that in bits and pieces, but do you think there's there's something you can do that will make children really enjoy it? Um, I, I, I believe that, if you want children to enjoy anything, you've got to love it yourself. And I've, um, I never, so reading poetry is something that I, I've had to train myself to do, if that makes sense. Um, I've always been a, a, a teacher that reads. I'm an avid reader of children's literature, but poetry is something that within the last few years I've got, I've got into the habit of, and now I love it. I love children's poetry. Um, but if they've got to see me being really enthusiastic about it and, I when I read aloud although I'll hopefully I don't do a disservice to the poet but when I read it aloud I want them to see and feel something as well because because then they'll learn to love poetry themselves um, yeah that, that's a great point I, children do pick up on your enthusiasm if, if you don't enjoy teaching something they know they know for yeah, sure oh, that you don't like it and mm. Matt's just called in again I don't know did you want to say something Matt uh, no, well, not particularly. I just had to go and feed the dog. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe, um, what do you think is the best way to get children to enjoy poems? Like, I didn't ask you that. Uh, well, I think it's the stuff that we talked about. And Heidi and, and Heidi's making a, a great point. Yeah. It, it, you, you've yeah. got to be, yeah, you've got you've got to enjoy it. And and again, it goes back to that thing about sharing a poem a day. 
And if you're enthusiastic about poetry and, and, and all of the different doorways that poetry can do, uh, can open, then you, you're modeling that to the class. Here's, here's a form of writing that is interesting. Let's talk about it, how, how different it is. Oh, that's a totally different poem to the one before. Is there a right or wrong answer? No. I think it's just about, I think Charlotte used the phrase, you know, the word immersion. It's a, it, mm-hmm. You know, you read a po- poem out a day and it's immersion, isn't it? And uh, Hyde's doing that by the sounds of it, which is brilliant. Yeah, I guess I better tell my head that we ought to do it all the way through this school as well after this conversation. <laughs> okay, right, Haida, I'm, I'm running out of time now. We've got four minutes. but So you've got four four minutes to put things into Room 101 for me. Have you got some things that annoy you greatly? Yeah, um, and obviously I'm in, I'm in year one, so my head is fixated on the things that are bugging me. Uh, so blunt pencils and the corners of the table. My legs oh, are just... Yeah bruised beyond belief because I'm walking yeah. they're so low that I'm just walking into them all the time um yeah, yeah room 101 for those yeah blunt pencils are very annoying they sh- there should be a way to invent a pencil that doesn't go blunt is there is there a pencil that doesn't I suppose it's they a must- pen isn't it? <laughs> no no I think, I think there, I think there are non-blunting pencils it must have been invented anyway okay well that's fantastic I I'm gonna end slightly early but thank you all of you all three of you who are still there for calling in and making me look very unknowledgeable about children's poetry but I'm sure that was incredibly informative for the listeners who um, want some new poets and poems to take into their classrooms quick plug Jane for any teachers that want some CPD and poetry Matt and I are doing a poetry course together at the CLPE in May. See the CLPE website. There you go. And I think Hyde is your first customer there because she said, oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, It's been great. I'm going to go and have a cocktail now, I think. I think I deserve one. And thank goodness there's no technical hitches today. Bye, everyone. (laughs) Bye. Thank you. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.